It's 9.59 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, a major educational outreach program of the University of Maine, with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice, practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, if you scratch the surface of any main community, you'll find writers and artists and performers. Their creative light shines out and inspires us all. Locally produced theater engages both actors and audiences to find meaning in the story of human experience. And today, we've got three examples of local theater and their connection to the communities that surround them. New Surrey Theater in Blue Hill, Opera House Arts in Stonington, and a new company, Harborside, Harborside Shakespeare Company, just starting up in Bar Harbor. And I'm happy to welcome our guests this morning. And uh, I'll go in reverse order now. Um, Alicia Hines and Daniel Mahler with Harborside Shakespeare Company in Bar Harbor. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks, it's great Ron. to be here. Um, also, Bill Rayton of New Surrey Theatre in Blue Hill. Welcome to you, Bill. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and Judith Jerome of Opera House Arts in Stonington. Welcome, Judith. Thank you. Perhaps we could start by um, each of you giving just a, a little background on yourselves um, and the organization. We'll let you go a little deeper a little later, but uh, Judith, start with you. What's, what's Opera House Arts? Kind of the, the elevator speech, if you will. The elevator speech. Um, well, Opera House Arts is a, uh, we actually m have many disciplines at the Opera House. We show movies year-round and um, do concerts and also uh, live theater of, at many different levels. We do it, we practice it at many different levels. Um, it was, it is... Well, I'm, why don't I leave it at that, just as a just as a starter? Okay. And how about yourself? How did you get involved in 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 theater? I've been involved in theater uh, most of my life, um, but I was a, a a practicing actor, teacher, director uh, for many years before I came to in Colorado, uh, primarily, and then in New York before I came to Maine. And Opera House, um, the Opera House is kind of a, a central feature of, of the community, and, and you came to really revive that. That's right. right. The Opera House was really the center of the community, of the Stonington community in particular, for uh, a long, long time. It was built in the mid-19th century when the granite uh, industry was at its height. It seated a 1,000 people at that time. Mm. And the uh, that building burned in 1910, and the opera house that 
currently exists was rebuilt in 1912, so we're celebrating our 100th birthday this year. And it was built on a much smaller scale because the, mm. the, industry, the industry was shrinking at that point. Mm. So yeah, everything, town meetings, dances, bowling, every basketball, the state champion, the, the Stonington women state, were state champions in the, in the opera house at one okay. time. And Bill, you've you've come to create a center in a town. You weren't always weren't there, but tell us a little bit about New Surrey Theater and how it got started. Well, the New Surrey Theater started as a performing arts school. You have to hear my voice because I never taught voice. And uh, we began with people from all over the country. People came over. I moved to Maine in 1969 and 1972. Decided to start the theater. Uh, I had done theater in New York uh, for years and was a stand-up comic in Hollywood in the late 50s. I was not very funny, so I got into directing, <laughs> see, uh, realized that was not my ilk. And uh, we started the theater, and it was, started, it was, it was amazing. We, we worked in Walter Nowak's uh, Surrey Opera Barn, and the last tenants in that barn had been sheep. So the first thing that the actors had to do who came from all over the country was shovel out the things the sheep left. Uh, and and we that had, wasn't wool. No, no, no. <laughs> and we had this wonderful uh, makeup a person, a professional from England who was um, living with uh, the man who wrote Gangbusters and those old radio programs. And she offered to do our makeup. And when she showed up, she was in shock because our makeup stands were right in front of all the cows that were on that farm. <laughs> and uh, we sat right in front of the cows while they ate their hay and their grain, and we had our makeup mirrors in front of them. But that's how we started. And um, Ralph Robinson was starting the Robinson Ballet, and he uh, worked with me to do choreography. And uh, he and Keith Robinson, who was, uh, was beginning to dance with him, and we just grew from that. We continued on, and we ended up, in 1973, we ended up using the town hall to teach a musical productions course at George Stevens Academy. This is in Blue Hill. In Blue Hill. And now we're back at the town hall, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful story. We'll tell more about it, because I, mm -hmm. I want to let these wonderful people from Harborside talk. <laughs> well, so um, you're the new kids on the block, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. um, tell us a little bit about Harborside Shakespeare Company. Um, Alicia, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So Harborside, Harborside Shakespeare Company is a, it's a community-based classical theater company. Um, in, it's located in Bar Harbor currently, but we wanted to reach out to all areas of Hancock County. And our goals are to keep Shakespeare accessible and relevant and have it and have other classical plays continue to be so for members of the community and modern Down East Maine audiences. Mm. And so currently we'll be operating out of the college this year for our performances, but we're hoping that we can bring theater, bring workshops and educational programming to other towns and other communities and other locations, um, not just on the island, but throughout the county. Mm. Uh, yeah, in terms of how we got started, um, Alicia and I both attended College of the Atlantic in Bar Harbor, and while we were there, we were able to direct and produce a number of classical uh, productions. Um, we did a production of The Bacchae, we've done some Shakespeare plays, um, and through that experience, we both gained a real passion and excitement for the community of, of Hancock County and of MDI. Um, and sort of from there, we had this idea of, you know, we could continue to do this and we could make, we could expand so that it's not only about College of the Atlantic, but that it's about the wider community in general. So I think that's really what we're trying to do with Harborside. 
uh, Dan and Alicia, what, what drew you to theater? What, what got you started? Alicia, we were, we were saying a little bit about, for you, it was kind of a gradual experience. Yeah, like when I was younger, I remember playing with my friends in the backyard and acting out scenes and then going to school and high school and getting involved in drama club and then starting to collaborate with Dan at the college. But then it wasn't until a couple of years af into that that I really realized that this is what I wanted to do mm. full time. And I'm really excited that that realization hit. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Sort of a similar arc. Um, I remember I was in my first play in third grade. I was the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Um, and really, since there, I, I just have always found myself coming back to theater um, throughout high school, throughout college, um, as I mentioned. And then, I, you know, I, I've recently graduated from grad school, um, and I was doing theater education in Boston. So really, my whole life, um, I've had a passion for it, and it's taken a couple of different forms. But what keep what I keep coming back to really is the classical um, works and Shakespeare. So. Great, great, Judith. How did you get started in in all of this? I'm going to just tell a little bit of a story, mm, please. Um, I grew up in Texas and Oklahoma, and I grew up in a really large extended family. There were 21 great aunts and uncles mm. in my family, in rural Texas. And um, we would gather on Sundays and after church and have dinner, meaning lunch. And, and after the dishes were done, the old folks would tell stories. And um, they were brilliant. Their timing, their articulation, and you would, we would sort of gather in the living room and people would be talking and I don't even know what the signal was that would indicate that somebody was about to start a story but there would be a signal of some kind, of, you know, raising your head, your eyes look up, I don't know, and conversation would stop and everybody would turn to that storyteller. And anybody in the room could have told the stories because they were stories on us, as they said. Well, I'm going to tell a story on Effie. <laughs> and um, the degree of participation and engagement in that room, I think, is what I am, have always been looking for in theater. And it took me a long time to sort of figure that out, to realize that that was, that that was true. Um, but then, so, and I began first as a writer and then decided that I really wanted to speak the words that I was writing and then gradually got into theater and, and directing and so forth. Then um, uh, in uh, 1995, I, went, I came to New York and um, I really wanted to think more deeply about the theater that I was making. And I entered the uh, PhD program at NYU in performance studies. And uh, it was from there. And that was really a fabulous experience. My, what I thought I was going to do at that point was go into academia and have a retirement for a change in my life. I mean, have developed the possibility for a retirement plan. Uh, none of that happened. Um, <laughs> Because Linda and I, uh, Linda Nelson, who's the executive director at the Opera House, and I stumbled on the uh, Stonington Opera House. And on vacation, um, this was in uh, 1998, and um, we had been 
in Stonington, we were there for two weeks. And I, something happened with both of us when we walked in the door of that place. It was, we each had separate visions. And I know that for me, it was the feeling that that kind of engagement that had been sort of at the core of what I had done as a child, what the, the experience I'd had as a child, I could really see that degree of engagement happening within this community, that I could be, that it could be a theater that was really in dialogue with the community. And that's uh, where, where we could tell stories on each other. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Bill, you, you, know, you, you said you started um, New Surrey uh, Theater as a, a teaching um, facility, and it sounds like that kind of engagement that Judith was talking about between you as teacher, director, and, and your students is really key to, to um, your early, early program. Uh, I can tell you it's everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, getting the, um, uh, the community, getting uh, people who uh, are looking to find themselves, looking to understand where they belong and to get into a, a theater group and find out, hey, I, I'm good. I can do this. It started for me when I was 13 years old. I was always in trouble in school. I was tall and lanky and wild. And um, my seventh grade teacher had taught Danny Kay, which, who had lived around the corner from us. Uh, and he was very famous at the time. You probably don't know who he <laughs> is, you young Shakespeare people. <laughs> but he was a great comedian and dancer and singer. And, uh, and she uh, used to pick someone in the class to pick on and hit with a ruler, and that ended up being me. And she put me in the French play when I didn't know any French and gave me a silent part that I made somehow very, very funny. And suddenly everybody in the auditorium was laughing with me. You know, it wasn't at me. It wasn't uh, mad at me. And I have tried to take that feeling of happiness that I had that people like what I'm doing, that people appreciate what I'm doing, and give that feeling to every actor who's come into the Dusseri Theater. Mm. And I, we have been so lucky to have people go on, not to just be actors, as some have done, but to be heads of the PTA, to be good parents, <laughs> to be <laughs> people who, who run a store or a company, and come and see you on the street and say, hey, man, you know, you're the one who's, yesterday I was in the town office and some woman was getting a license and said, oh, you're, you're Mr. Ray. And I said, no, no, I'm Bill. She said, you don't remember me, but in the eighth grade, you taught me that I was funny and I have been able to tell jokes and be happy ever since. And she was about 45, 50 mm. years old. Mm. <laughs> so it was like, mm. um, it was a wonderful feeling. So that, that um, for you, that, that early experience of having someone laugh with you was a sign that you were with them, engaged with them, instead of performing. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's not performing. Right. To me, acting is not performing. Acting mm. is being truthful. Mm. And that's what we teach in our acting school. We have a 10-week a course in September and a 10-week course in January, and we have always 20, 30 people from the age of 80 down to the age of 12 mm. uh, in, in the classes. And I, I was lucky enough living in Manhattan, and I, I lied about my age and got into H.B. Studios acting school when I was 16. I was lucky. I met Lee Strasberg. Uh, 
because I was dating his daughter Susan, and uh, <laughs> she, he got me into HB Studios for a dollar uh, a class because I couldn't afford anything else, and um, it was the greatest experience in my life. And being standing backstage at uh, Susan's plays and seeing Richard Burton and Helen Hayes and meeting them at parties, and knowing that they had the same feeling I was talking about, even though people didn't see that in them. Their joy was when they were on stage and people were accepting them and believing they were someone else. Mm. Dan, Alicia, I know you've um, directed uh, plays at College of Atlantic in the past. How do you relate to these stories of engagement? Um, what would you say about both your actors and your audiences about that? Dan, right into the mic. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that um, we feel really strongly about is that people, regardless of background or regardless of whether they're necessarily planning on becoming an actor professionally should be able to be involved in a number of ways. So in terms of ga uh, engaging with the community, I definitely think that we do try to do that, that same kind of outreach um, where, you know, we're looking for people who have something to bring, something to offer, and who can gain from the experience of working with us that isn't just about performing um, and isn't just about, you know, the hour, hour and a half of glory, and then they walk off the stage, you know, and it's, they go on and live their lives. We want this to be part of their lives. Um, we want everyone, including, you know, I think Alicia and I learn from every experience that we have directing just as much, if not more, um, as, as the actors and the crew members that we work with. Yeah, and I would just add that a lot of the people that we've worked with before who have been fantastic roles who've played Lady Macbeth and Hamlet, like they have all been people who have never been on stage before or who haven't performed as an actor or been an actor. And that we know from talking to them and from working with them on these plays that it's really enriched their life and enriched how they communicate and express themselves and given them an outlet for creativity and given them confidence, even with backstage work, even by being a stage manager, like it, it helps you gain a lot of skills that you can translate to so many other things like you were mentioning Bill with the PTA and running the shop it's not it's not just something that works when you're in the theater it's something that you carry with you afterwards you're tuned to Talk of the Towns this morning. We're having a, a conversation. Ra raise the curtain. Local theater in three coastal towns. We've got uh, Alicia Hines and Daniel Mahler of Harborside Shakespeare Company in Bar Harbor. Bill Rayton of New Surrey Theater, now based in Blue Hill. And Judith Jerome of Opera House Arts in Stonington. This, n this notion of, of engaging um, actors and audience um, seems to be uh, a thread. Are there other threads that um, you're beginning to, to see and experience as you do theater, Judith? Well, I just wanted to follow up on what uh, everyone has been saying. Um, the, the, uh, the mission statement of the Opera House is to promote excellence in all the ways that we perform our lives. And if I may go back to performance mm. studies a moment, performance studies really sees um, performance in a very broad way, center, uh, theater being a sort of centerpiece of that and a, an, an extremely important part of that, but that performance is really the repetition of behavior. And so, as we were talking about earlier, teaching is a major form of performance, as is law, as is the clergy and as is everyday life in many ways. And so um, the skills that one develops in performance are, li are life skills without, without question. And it's certainly the way that, that, that we think about 
theater all the time is in that, you know, there is the performance on stage, but it, it is really all about the creation of culture, which is what the iteration and the repetition of behavior does. Mm. And Dan and Alicia, you're talking about um, making Shakespeare and, and more t- traditional fa- uh, plays alive in today's world. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, when Shakespeare was originally performed, it was contemporary, and it was original, and it it included music that was popular at the time, and costumes that were similar to what people were wearing every day, and I think that a lot of contemporary Shakespeare performances forget about that, and and also they forget about the humor in Shakespeare, and how crude, and how lively, and how fun it can be, and that it's sort of up on this pedestal where it's very, it's it's scholarly and it's not fun and it's sort of separated from other things and it's very dry and our our goal with Harborside is to kind of erase all of that and let people really engage with it as this lively, beautiful, spirited script that it is and let people speak these words and, and have them relate to them and have them see the humor in them and how much they have in common with these characters that are 400 years old but still having the same problems that we do every day. <laughs> so <laughs> that's part of what we're going for with that. And Dan, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, going back to what, uh, what Judith was saying, I do think that theater and also Shakespeare really can be a lens through which you can view pretty much anything. Um, you know, I think that you can use theater to explore history. You can use theater to explore education. You can use, and in the same way, um, Shakespeare also. You know, Shakespeare can be a beautiful look into poetry, you know, from a more literary standpoint. You can also use Shakespeare to explore voice and vocal projection. Uh, Kristen Linklater has written books about, a book called Freeing Shakespeare's Voice, which is all about how to use Shakespeare to become a more strong vocal actor. Um, And as Alicia was saying, you know, Shakespeare, the things that Shakespeare was writing about, while they may feel or appear at first glance old um, are very much contemporary issues. You know, themes of love, themes of treachery, themes of, you know, violence and anger and social justice and all of these things that we're constantly dealing with and we will continue to. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think that Shakespeare and classical works in general can and should continue to be relevant. Mm. Bill? Uh, I, I, I love hearing all this. I think it's, you know, I really feel it's so deep and wonderful. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. Theater is fun. Yes, <laughs> theater is fun. You, you work at the New Surrey Theater, you get in a play, and suddenly you're having a fantastically fun time. This is what it has to be. You, you, you let go of yourself. You pretend the way you did when you were four and five and, and your mother wasn't yelling at you. Oh, stop running around that supermarket. You're going to be yelled. You know, you, you, you have to bottle up. Not in theater. In <laughs> theater, you can run around that mm-hmm. supermarket. You can, oh, I, 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 and I love that. And that's what I find that the people, when you teach them, they get them to let go of that mask they have, that, that guard wall they have around them that so they shouldn't be judged, so they should be right, so they should be good. And you rip that away with them. You help them rip it away. They do it themselves. You don't do anything for them. And suddenly there they are, naked and happy. Woohoo! We're running through the field! You know, this is so, so where do you all start when you've got someone that, that's um, you know, thinking about being in a play with you? Where do you start with them? Bill, where do you start? Um, yeah, helping them um, kind of see themselves as that young child, but is there a way that you begin the process with an actor? 
uh, a play is written by the author. Mm. The author has feelings that she or he want the audience to feel. And what we do is we try to find out what is it, why every word, it could be three, three words in a sentence, is written to make the audience feel anger, hurt, um, some feeling. What feeling is it? How do we get that in ourselves? How do we do it in a way that's truthful? How do we become that person with our feelings? When I performed in, uh, and worked and taught in Russia and Scotland uh, and other countries and, and in, in Canada and Hollywood, everybody was the same and everybody was different. In, in other words, all our feelings are the same. Everybody loves, everybody hates, everybody gets anger, everybody gets hurt, but we all do it in our own way. And if you're not judged, by doing it in your way, and you can be free to do it in your way. You bring new insight to any part or any play you're doing because suddenly, uh, when you have a new actor come into a play after four weeks of a star being in it and a new star comes in, the whole play changes even though that actor is giving the same feelings, the same lines, the same scene, because the way they are hurt conveys in a different way to the audience. Mm. Judith, anything to add to that notion of where do you start with with um, actors? Well, I, I I think I essentially uh, I, mean, I think Bill has said a lot of it. Well, it, I feel like my job, both as the artistic director in developing a season, um, as well as in working with actors, is always sort of about um, following the lead of. Uh, that person who is on stage. Let, let, let's just keep it at actors. Mm -hmm. um, because you're right that we are all unique individuals as we, as, as we know. And um, so there is certainly guidance that a director or a coach can give, but it's essentially following the lead of the the body and the person who's there and and really working with them to trust the impulses and to i guess the other thing i would say because i, I think that so much of theater is about the body which is what the liveness is so why, why the liveness is so important and we can tend to think of theater as being about words but in fact so the other thing I guess that to me is a basic place to start really has to do with loosening up the body, really letting the body be responsive, really uh, so that the body, so that the word you say, you, that single word, you can feel it all the way down to your toes and, and your muscles and your nerves are firing and that's so much of the communication that happens on stage is through that muscle and nerve firing as well as what happens comes out of your mouth. And that's what the audience is seeing. They're not just hearing the words. They're seeing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're feeling okay. the feeling. It's not seeing okay. or hearing or anything. They feel, if you watch a good play or a good movie, uh, it's because you believe the feelings that actor has on stage and you empathize with it and suddenly you're feeling that if you watch something even a great script a great shakespeare script and the actors aren't feeling it but you want them to right you just <laughs> you just like you know the, the play isn't good anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and um i totally agree uh mm. that it's 
Judith's it's feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, she may get that feeling through their fingertips and their toes. Someone may get it through their nose. Someone may get it <laughs> through the hair follicles. But if they truly feel it, their way, because Judith was so right, uh, each individual has their own individual way of feeling it. And if you encourage that and free that, wow, do you have a performance. And uh, Alicia or, or Dan, it seems like you're dealing with uh, folks. You must have to give them permission to have those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of our mottos that we constantly remind people of is don't be afraid to go too far. <laughs> um, Shakespeare, one of the reasons I'm attracted to Shakespeare is because of its size. Um, really, the circumstances that Shakespeare is writing about are such that have to be played with, as Judith was talking about, has to be, have to be played in the body and have to be played with this enormous amount of size. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, also this idea of following impulses, I completely agree. I think that a lot of times an actor will have the right impulse, but will be hesitant to follow it. So as a director, it's your job to say, yes, that's a good, you know, that is a good impulse. Keep going. You can do more. You know, I think we are constantly saying, Yes, good, go further, um, you know, because they do have good impulses and they know, you know, actors are humans. They've felt all of these things before. They know how the body responds, but they just, it is, it's about giving them permission to go with it and to go farther. Mm. Yeah, I think that oftentimes it's, sometimes you, people do, I mean, they feel these things. They, everyone has this in common, but they don't think it's okay to actually share that with people sometimes. And you have to really, you have to cultivate that, creativity and you have to cultivate that confidence with the people that you're working with because they have it within them and like I mean I can see it when people when I'm trying to get people to sign up for a play and I'm trying to encourage them I'm like yes I you yes they're like oh no I'll be terrible I'll be absolutely horrible and I'm like no you'll you'll be fine they they will be fine they'll be terrific they all have it in them it's just a matter of them being able to to pull it out and 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 that takes encouragement it takes love it takes passion but everybody's got it in them Mm. Great. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns, Raise the Curtain, local theater in three coastal towns um, with our guests Alicia Hines and Daniel Mahler of the Harborside Shakespeare Company in Bar Harbor, Bill Rayton of the New Siri Theater in Blue Hill, and Judith Jerome of the Opera House Arts of Opera House Arts in Stonington. And I'll invite our listeners to um, take part in this conversation about local theater um, by giving us a call at one 866 625-9378. That's one 625 We've been talking about the creative side, but you've also got to kind of make make it work um, as a business. Um, how, how, how are you doing that? Um, maybe we'll start with our youngest folks and, and, and ask them, well, how have they got to the, where they are? What, what are their, what's their business model, if you will? Um, how are they kind of putting all that side of it together? Well, I think that at the core of, of any business and any production that you're doing, like whatever project it is that you're working on, you just need to have a lot of heart and a lot of passion for it because you need to live and breathe this project all day long, which is what we're doing. And we're in the process of, of getting started. So a lot of what we're up to is we're, we're learning new things. We're, we're trying to figure out the best ways to, to work with the community that we're in. But I think that the community ties are what is so essential to all of these theaters that we are all working for is that you you need to be able to respond to your community you need to be able to communicate with them and to be able to to work with them and they have to be excited about what you're doing and what you're doing needs to be like a feedback to to what they're interested in and i think that at the core of all of these theaters is that is that 
desire to reach out with people and, and engage them and draw them into this project and let them take that take what they've learned and take what they're doing back out into Blue Hill or into Bar Harbor and into Stonington. So I think that that is really what's at the core of what we're doing. But it's also an interesting model of building a team and the people that you're working with. I think that we're lucky that by going to school at College of the Atlantic, we've built a lot of strong connections with, with folks who are interested in, in seeing this through and helping us out with it. And we're continuing to meet new people, and they all have brilliant ideas about programming or ways that we can do some fundraising and, and reach out and get more people interested. So that's it's, it's exciting. It's really new, and it's exciting. But that's what we're up to right now. Mm. Bill, how did, how did you kind of take it from the barn, <laughs> um, the, that initial um, kind of idea we're going to have an acting school? How did you, how did you make it work um, as a business or as a financial kind of endeavor? What makes you think? <laughs> 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 oh, it, it was not easy, and, it, and it's still not easy, but it is just great fun. It's as much fun as the teaching in some ways. We, right now, we only have 110 seats in the theater. And uh, we decided to be part of the community and stick with that theater no matter what because part of our mission is to strive, we strive to impact people's lives through quality theater. That's part of our mm -hmm. mission statement. Uh, we used to travel. Mm -hmm. We used to travel. We, we took uh, theater and plays to Russia. We took Fiddler on the Roof, uh, songs and scenes with Sheldon Harnick who wrote the lyrics to Russia. We, We'd perform at the Grand, at the main center for the arts, where there was 500 seats, 1,000 seats. And the ticket sales helped us tremendously that way. We had people donate money. We had, um, right now, we're in the great need of donation, support, people to, uh, who want to bring quality theater to the community to help us bring it because it's so expensive. I mean, when you want to do, uh, we're doing Oliver this summer. We're doing Steel Magnolias in June. Um, one cost only for $5,000, the other one cost $20,000, $30,000. So uh, how do you make that up with a 110-seat theater? You have to have people in the community who say, hey, we see the benefit. We see the people growing up uh, with this. This is our 40th year. And for 40 years, we have gone from year to year without any problem making it happen. Uh, only because of the people in the community. Mm. And it's very funny, Oliver, this summer, I just counted coming here. I said, oh, I wonder how many people are in the cast. There's 40 in the cast, and it's our 40th anniversary. <laughs> and I said, wow, this must mean something. You know, so, and Steel Magnolias has the people in it who it's being directed by someone who started it in 1990, who studied with me, Dindy Royster, to be... Um, uh, director and Becky Poole is directing Oliver, and she was in the 1973 class at George Stevens Academy when I did No No Nanette, and she was in it with her brother Bob. <laughs> so this is the kind of thing that the community is aware of, and I think they want to keep us there and help us stay there. So there's a kind of organicness <laughs> to what you're describing and what you hope for, Judith. How how has that worked in in the in Stonington with the Opera House? Well. Um, to just go back for a minute to Harborside, Alicia and I met for lunch a couple of weeks ago, which was really fabulous uh, to really talk talk theater. And one of the things I was thrilled to hear from her was that they that she's writing a business plan and has a mentor that's working with her on that business plan. And through uh, no fault of my own, but really because of Linda Nelson's uh, involvement in the project, we began the project with a business plan 
we began the project also with a tremendous amount of passion, but we also began with a business plan that we update all the time and um, in terms of continuing to shape the vision. Um, it's a tremendous amount of work. Um, recently, we had the privilege of being part of a gathering at the Blue Hill Public Library in celebration of Adrian Rich, the poet Adrian Rich's uh, death and life. Mm. And uh, Linda was citing a, 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 an Adrian Rich quote that I remember, it has always meant so much to me, and, but, but I'm rethinking it in terms of my current life, and that is, uh, you must read and write as though your life depended on it. Mm. And, um, and we make theater from exactly that same impulse. And so that has a lot to do with the amount of work that it takes because about 40% of our costs are covered by ticket sales and the rest of it is fundraising and, and um, so it's a, it's a lot of work. I recently attended a gathering in Portland of uh, theaters in Maine that were talking about the upcoming theater communications group conference in Boston and is it relevant to us up here and where are we going and so forth. And uh, there were a group of us afterwards talking about, you know, we're crazy. We work so hard. <laughs> um, Mm. Yeah, and yet the community—the community—is kind of responding to that hard work, and kind of they're adopting you, aren't they? I mean, hundred years, Opera House yeah. in existence for that time, and and uh, so talk a little bit about the community connection that you're beginning to see, or that you have seen. Um, uh, Bill talked about the people who are directing or performing in plays. They they grew up here, and and they're part of of that community. Is that the case for you as well? You're seeing some of that? Yes, absolutely. This is, uh, so this is our 13th year, so we're, we're, we're middle-aged <laughs> in between Bill and, and, and Harborside. Um, and we, our model is slightly different than for either of the other um, companies here. Um, we're one of seven uh, professional theaters in Maine, and by that I mean we operate under an equity contract uh, much of the time, not all of the time, but much of the time. Um, and we, one of the things that we do, we do a lot of, we do, we do a number over the year of, of all community projects. Um, a lot of community play readings and for the last few years we've been working on, um, a playwriting component working with John Cariani, who's one of our best known main playwrights. With our big shows, we have equity casts and we include in that equity cast a number of community people. And our vision in doing that is really to uh, raise the bar and to, um, to give community people the opportunity to work with people who have, in fact, devoted their entire lives to making theater. And, and we definitely see the fruits of that. And, and we work, I, we share a lot of actors 
bill and the, uh, the new Surrey and the Opera House, which is a wonderful thing. So many people that have come through Bill's program, you know, then do things at the Opera House as well. Um, and we do a lot of work also with young people, as I know you do too. And and um, so that's so, so. It seems like that that we're building um, among you and and there are others doing it. We're building a community that understands and appreciates and participates in theater. Mm-hmm. Bill. Well, it's really funny because hearing Judith talk about equity performances, which. I think is fantastic because I know how expensive they are compared to nonprofit because uh, you have to pay higher uh, royalties and things like that. We were just uh, named the nonprofit of the year by the Blue Hill Peninsula Chamber of Commerce, and we're very proud of that. Um, but I've always stayed away from equity actors, uh, and I think it's wonderful that the Stonington Opera House does not. They they, they work with them because. Now the people in our community learn from equity people on stage, but they also learn from going to school with us. And that combination is a tremendous uh, advantage if they ever do want to go into theater. Mm. Um, Many, I mean, I was brought up in New York City. I ran around with all these equity people, people not in equity. And I knew a lot of them got into equity because they were in 17 plays as a spear carrier and got their card (laughs) and (laughs) didn't go to school and ended up, uh, Lee Strasberg, who started the actor's studio, said to me when I wanted to go to uh, Summerstock, he said, don't. I said, but I want to get a part. I was 17 years old. I was dying to go. He said, what's going to happen? is all the bad habits you have to protect yourself on stage, you're going to grow with them and make them stronger because the director is not going to have any time for you. You're going to have a tiny little part somewhere there with, with the other people who have big parts. And then when you get to the actor's studio under me, I'm going to have to spend more time <laughs> getting rid of those bad habits than I will be teaching you the truth in acting. Mm. Uh, so I've taken that as my... Uh, reason to stay with taking someone in the community and saying you can be as good as any equity actor you can be as good as the stars because you are a star you have all the talent that everyone else has only you have to mine it in yourself just the way uh, Dan and Alicia was saying you have to mine it get it out and see it and be it and uh, it's just worked very well for us. Our idea is to have professional quality theater with non-professionals. Someday, if some wonderful person comes out of the woodwork and gives us enough money, we'll pay the actors. <laughs> yeah. Right now, we can't. Right. And we, we pay the professional light people, the professional costume designers, the, and the directors who've studied. But that's... Um, and I love what Judith said because I really believe the people that come from Stonington to work with us, the people we've met, I think the Stonington Opera House is one of the finest theaters I have ever seen, the way it's been put together and built. And uh, my hats are off to them, I mean, from the beginning. This is something I have to tell you. The community is so lucky to have them. Mm. They're lucky to have us, too. But I'm going to ask our listeners to give us a call and, and participate in this conversation about local theater in, in our uh, coastal communities of, of this this 
case Hancock County, but um, our listeners expand to Washington County, Waldo, Knox, Lincoln, um, into into the Penobscot County area. So give us a call if you'd like. Um, ask your question or um, share your experience with local uh, theater. one 625 9378 And perhaps a question for our listeners is, what do you get out of local theater? What is it um, that you um, kind of receive from local theater? And maybe I'd ask um, our guests to think about that question as well. What is it that you hope um, your community um, takes away? Um, Dan or Alicia, what do you hope? Um, you're doing your first production, Romeo and Juliet, this summer. Mm-hmm. What do you hope that um, out of that experience the community um, derives? Well, I think part of it goes back to what um, Alicia and I were talking about in terms of making Shakespeare um, relevant and accessible. I think that people do tend to have this sort of scholarly, erudite um, impression of Shakespeare. And we try to do everything we can to subvert that um, and to show people, no, actually, it's not this sort of highbrow art form. Um, It's also fun and raucous and out of control. And so I think that our audience members and community members who come to see the productions that we do may, you know, my hope is that they have some of those ideas flipped a little to say, oh, actually, you know, I can go. Um, When Alicia was a student at at College of the Atlantic, she did a 70s glam rock version of Hamlet, Um, which probably when you think of Hamlet, you don't necessarily think 70s glam rock (laughs) right away, but it worked and it was a beautiful production. Um, And I really think people came out of that theater seeing it in a new way and saying, wow, that's really interesting that you can interpret this work that was written 400 years ago in 70s glam rock fashion. Um, So things like that, um, I think, are what our community gains. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Freddie Mercury was totally channeling Hamlet when he wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. But um, I, I think that the other side of the coin is that the people who are experiencing the productions by participating in them are totally enriched by the by the chance of doing that. And I hope that the other programming that we are hoping to accomplish, like the doing Shakespeare open mics at the Jessup Library, will continue to welcome more people into that than are just involved in the shows. Um, But really, I think that it's wonderful that there are so many theaters in such close proximity and in the area because I think that it's so vital that as as a performer or as an artist or anyone just looking to like expand your horizons, it's vital to go and see other productions and other art and enrich yourself that way. Like the American Shakespeare Center, which is based out of Staunton, Virginia, um, comes up to Bar Harbor every year and performs a show and... I interned with them last summer, and they're a fantastic organization. They do top-notch work and amazing work with Shakespeare. And I always encourage people who, if we're doing a production that year or that term to, or in the past, that's what I did, and I will continue to do this with people that we've that we're working with this summer is go see them because their equity. I mean, they this is what they do for a living. Is they spend all day working with these texts and trying to understand them, and they're amazing. And you can learn so much from watching them, and it, it's it really helps our actors and it helps everyone I think to to be able to participate in being an audience member for something else and I think that it's important to to vary the roles that you have in theater like you it's important to act it's also important to help paint a set and it's also important to watch something Mm. Uh, this, I'll, I'll just list our phone numbers one more time. one 625 9378 as we talk with Alicia Hines and Daniel Mahler, 
of Harborside Shakespeare Company in Bar Harbor, um, Judith Jerome of the Opera House Arts in Stonington, and Bill Rayton of New Surrey Theater in Blue Hill. Again, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. So we talked a lot about um, what you hope that the actors and the participants, and we're saying, well, what, what does the community that might come to see a performance, what do they get? And I, Bill, you started out talking about feelings. What is it that an audience member kind of walks away with if they've seen a, a really good production? Well, I'll, I'll just go back to, to why I started in theater and how I love theater. When I was in acting class, we'd go see a play, all of us, you know, 20, 30 people sometimes, and we'd come back to Horn and Hard Up, which we could get a nickel cup of coffee, and we'd sit around and we would argue <laughs> about the play and how good it was or bad. What did he mean? Why did she do that? And do you think she... And, oh, Harry could act better than that, you know. And we'd discuss and dissect the meaning of that play and what the playwright was trying to have us understand. You'd see Pinter and you'd go crazy. I saw the homecoming and the three of us sat and we, we must have argued for the whole night. And what, why, why did... That's what I want. Mm. Even when they see something like Wizard of Oz, which we did... Why was Dorothy so happy when she came back? <laughs> why, why did the, uh, they write it so the Tin Man did this and, and, the, uh, and the Scarecrow did that? There's, if you see something that's deep enough, we're going to be doing uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, we have John Ellsworth, a young farmer who graduated from COA, has written a play about three generations of Mainers who work in the woods and who've been through the wars. It's such a heavy, fantastic, and funny play. We're going to be doing that next season. We expect people to walk out of there really discussing what, it, what it's all about. We're doing proof. Uh, uh, even Oliver, which is the dark side. Dickens is so dark. We don't do it like, a, yeah, 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 Oliver, Oliver. <laughs> it, it, it's Dickens' time. Mm. It, there's something there. It's, well, that's what we expect people to feel. <laughs> Judith, again, this this notion that um, you can go see a play or go see a movie and be entertained, but Bill is looking for something deeper than that. Is that what you're hoping as well? Sure, sure. Uh, and, and I think my colleagues have all said some really interesting things about that. And one of the things I would add, uh, although Bill referred to it in the John Ellsworth play with reference to the John Ellsworth play, is... That one of the things that we continuously look for also is sort of representing our main community, reflecting this main community, because it isn't, for the most part, reflected in the general world. I mean, if you start reading through plays, you know, there are, I don't know what the percentage is that are set in New York <laughs> apartments, but there are really a lot of them. Um, so we really look for material that we feel reflects our community, and we have created, you know, from the Singing Bridge, which is about the bridge between Hancock and Sullivan and, and the community there, and Burt Dow, which we're reviving this year about... Um, one of our own beloved fishermen on, on Deer Isle, and with the playwriting workshops that we do. I mean, that to me, that, that is an important part of what I hope the community gets from it, is a reflection of itself that is not ordinarily in the world. Mm. And yeah. uh, uh, Dan, Alicia, I know you're going to try to do some things outside um, so that people are in an environment that maybe inspires them in a diff different way. Yeah, I think that it's it's important to to mix things up and to 
shake up a context for something. I think well, sh a lot of Shakespeare is performed outdoors. I mean, his theater, the Globe Theater, was an open air theater, so it has. There's a strong tradition of it being out outside, and I think that really what is at the heart of a lot of what you guys are all saying here is that it goes back to this Hamlet quote: "Is that the purpose of playing?" is to hold a mirror up to nature. And so we're really hoping through these different performances and through these different pieces, which all sound lovely and beautiful, and, and the different places that they'll be performed in the different theaters, is that people will see a part of themselves on stage or see a part of themselves in a story and be able to identify with that. And the playwright, Somerset Mom, has a, has a wonderful quote. Um, it's something like, the what's in the play is something that the audience is always thinking about, but is always too afraid to say. So you want to you want to put those things on stage that people might be afraid to express or be afraid to say, but mm. that when they're on stage, they can identify with them and recognize them and walk away and be like, yes, that that was the feeling I had when I got out of the shower this morning. I just <laughs> didn't know how to say it, but I'm glad that you know Macbeth did <laughs> or something. I mean, hopefully not Macbeth. Hopefully you're not <laughs> identifying with bloodthirsty Scottish lords, but. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's very important, and I, we're really excited with the performance outdoors to, to expand that. There's going to be indoor performances and outdoor performances of Romeo and Juliet this summer, um, and both, both will be very different. There's going to be different set, different lights, the music, and some of a lot of the blocking will be the same, but um, it's going to be a different experience, so I hope that people get a chance to come to both of them. And, and give us the details on, on those. Sure. So um, the production, uh, Romeo and Juliet, is going up in August. So it's the first two weekends in August, um, Saturday, August 4th, and Sunday, August 5th, um, and then the following weekend. The well. 11th and 12th. Sat uh, Saturday, August 11th, and Sunday, August 12th. And so we're having two outdoor matinees, which are um, on 2 p.m. On, on both Sundays, and they're at the Shrine, which is at College of the Atlantic. Um, and then the Saturday evening and the Sunday evening performances are at Gates Community Center, which is also on the campus of College of the Atlantic. J Judith, what's coming up for you? What's, what's the summer looking like? Uh, well, we're opening with a recreation of a 1912 vaudeville show called Ten Real Star Acts <laughs> <laughs> uh, in celebration of our 100th birthday. And then Shakespeare and Stonington. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how thrilled I am about these Shakespeare colleagues. <laughs> in Bar Harbor, um, because for us, too, Shakespeare is a huge love, the big mm -hmm. purveyor of the collective dream. Um, so we're doing Antony and Cleopatra this year, and we're doing it in um, a new space. A community group has, uh, has asked us to take over the uh, management of a, a church uh, on the island, the Burnt Cove Church, oh. which, which now is being called the Burnt Cove Community, the, the, sorry, I, we, we say BC4 for short, the Burnt Cove Church Community Center, and it's an exquisite building. It's just absolutely beautiful. And so we will stage uh, Antony, Antony and Cleopatra there, and it's going to be a very, these folks are doing Shakespeare after our own, our own hearts. It's going to be a very innovative production. Right. Um, and then Burt Dow, which we're reviving uh, from our 2010 production, and then we'll tour it around the state in uh, April of 2013. Mm, wonderful. And, and uh, Bill, what's coming up for you? What's, what's the summer and, and into the fall look like for you? Well, what we did was for our 40th anniversary, three directors who studied with us 
uh, have chosen three different plays that we did over the 40 years to do the, their way, not the way I directed them. You, you saw Man of La Mancha, I'm sure, and uh, by Shari Ja directed that, and Steel Magnolias opens up June 8th, uh, directed by uh, Dindy Royster, who acted in it in the 90s. Oliver comes uh, starting uh, July 27th, by Becky Poole is directing that, and runs through August, and then we have our uh, one-man Christmas Carol, but with Tim Pugliese, uh, which is an amazing thing. He even performed at the Opera House. He traveled with that. Uh, and then we start with Proof, and after that, all the shows we talked about. Great. Well, I'll, I'll give you each, um, you know, a, um, a sense of what's next in terms of uh, where do you want to go after this season? What are some of your hopes as you go forward? Uh, Dan, Alicia, we'll start with you, and then we'll make the rounds here. Sure, yeah. So um, right now, this is because this is our sort of first maiden voyage um, into into the Harborside Shakespeare Company. Um, for the first few years, we're going to be focusing on summer programming mostly. So this summer, we have the production of Romeo and Juliet. We're also going to be having a few other, um, Alicia briefly mentioned the Shakespeare Open Mic Nights, which we're having at the Jessup Library monthly. Um, we might be doing some sort of master classes as well. Um, and for the next two or so years, um, we're going to be summer only, but our goal um, we are fully intending to launch full full year-round programming as well. So, that. Great. Judith, what would you lo- hope for in the future? Um, more, more of the same. We're looking at, I hear the music, so I think we're winding down here, so I don't know that I can go into it very deeply, but um, more, more Shakespeare every year and more devised and um, uh, commissioned work, which is our deepest interest. Great. And Bill, final word to you? Uh, the Performing Arts School to keep bringing more and more people into the community to go out to all these the different theaters and become their actors, and that's in September and in January of this coming year. And uh, we also have our summer campus starting again as the second year for that, reprising that, and that starts uh, in July, and uh, that's run by Shari John and Becky Poole. Great. Great. Well, thanks to all of you for being guests here on Talk of the Towns. I've come to that time, we've come to that time, when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, uh, Bill Rayton of New Surrey Theatre in Blue Hill, Judith Jerome of Opera House Arts in Stonington, Alicia Hines and Daniel Mahler of Harborside Shakespeare Company in Bar Harbor. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Good morning.